0: Happy 4th of July, everyone. And just as a reminder, Kyle's other podcast, the, the Dork Day Afternoon uh, set of family of podcasts, drops today uh, on the 4th of July with two episodes, three hours uh, total for their new role-playing game, Two Past Midnight, uh, which I'm listening to right now as we speak. And it's pretty, pretty cool. So uh, I'm going to play their trailer one more time. Um, and then at that point, I think you guys know that it's out. And you can check it out if you'd like. And uh, we hope you enjoy uh, Kyle's other foray into podcasting. Only this time, role-playing games. So, hey, happy Fourth of July, everyone. Prepare
1: yourself for Dork Day Afternoon, a brand new Actual Play podcast. You performers! Oh, that's fun. The brainchild of two brothers, sparred from their desire to crush the fictional hopes and dreams of their friends and loved ones. you remember what I said about being a, a monster of a GM? Someone has to be a monster,
0: and the GM's the one who probably should be. Two shows, every week. On Mondays, coming to you from the end of the world,
1: Two Past Midnight, a Twilight 2000 4th Edition campaign. As if being in prison wasn't stress enough. More as hell, gentlemen. And on Thursdays, the circus comes to town with Encore of the Lost, a playthrough of the Extinction Curse AP, written for Pathfinder Second Edition.
0: Failure to know! What is it, pumpkin? I'm looking at pumpkins!
1: Real we'll furniture.
0: Natural 20
1: for a total of 24. 25. F you. <laughs> 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 Dark day afternoon. Listen, your life might just depend on it. Aloha, this is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing Harvey Award winner and New York Times bestselling creator Matt Kent. Matt is here to promote his Flux House imprint at Dark Horse. Matt, welcome to Comics for Fun and Profit. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. No, thank you very much. Now, um, Matt, I'm just going to go over your brief history. So Matt has been uh, making comics since about 2003. Is that correct? About there?
2: Uh, yeah, 2001 is my
1: first book. Okay, sorry. Okay. now on your web page, you know, um, you, uh, uh, under the t- under the section about Matt, Matt has stated that this is his best job ever. I that's correct. I take it.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a. Uh there's a point where I was doing this where I was doing comics and then I transitioned to doing comics Mm full-time and then, but there's still like a year or two where I was doing it, where I was like, "Uh, is this gonna, am I going to be able to keep doing this? Or am I going to have to go back, try to find a regular job? Like I was graphic design was my real jobs. Mm -hmm. I was like, am I going to have to go back to that? Like, is this going to be enough money and will we be able to survive? And we're, we're having a kid and everything. And then, uh, I realized, uh, uh, after two, after a year, after two years, after three years of doing it, I was like, Oh, I couldn't, I'm ruined for a real job. I could never go back to a real job. I'd be the worst worker. Like I, I, uh comics spoiled me in such a way where like, I only want to do what I want to do and how mm-hmm. I want to do it. And I'm like, I don't want to be told what to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't go back. There was a point where I, there was a the point of no return where I couldn't go back to a normal job. I'd have to, I don't know what I would do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm going to go over Matt, I'm going to go over your amazing work. And I'm just going to name a few and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, okay? okay. So my understanding is that your first work, your first Dark Horse story that you did was back in 2010. It was um, Super Spy. It was a short story that appeared in Dark Horse, comics presents um on myspace webcomic um is that correct that's what that's the information i got you, you probably know better than i do i don't oh, remember that okay, fine. <laughs> i don't remember but yes that sounds familiar oh okay. of course you've done of course and then of course you know my everyone knows about mind management pistol whip um um apache delivery service um uh, one of your recent ones is um ENIAC from I believe it was bad idea is that correct? ENIAC. Yeah, that's right. Um, Berserker, Department H, and then I know you did some um, work for Valiant, which is like Divinity, Ninjack, and you co uh, wrote I'm sorry, co wrote with Jeff Lemire, my favorite Valiant crossover miniseries, The Valiant. That's yeah, four-ish. I love that I love it.
2: Yeah. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah. And Paulo Rivera did the art on that. His uh it's the one time I got to work with him and he was so amazing. I had a I own a page of that I just had to have with ninjack on it. That's so good.
1: Oh my god. Um sorry, I'm just kind of going off the cuff here, but I don't know. I mean, I, I like crossovers, you know, they're big, they're fun, but this one, this crossover was a little different. It was um um i don't know how to describe it, but it, it just really spoke to me and i love the first few pages of the eternal war in the eternal warrior um having a battle and i can't remember who he kept fighting with that sorry about that but it was just he kept losing the battles over the you know over centuries you know and
2: yeah yeah heartbreaking that was one of
1: those to me that
2: was one of those like retcon ideas i had where uh like Eternal Warrior has those like four scars across his face. He's had them since yes. I was a fan of well, Valiant back in the 90s. And uh, so it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, like, how did he get those scars? We never really say. So I was like, well, it'd be cool if he got those scars by he's fighting this villain and the villain is keeping score on his face. So, like, those are reminders to Eternal uh. Warrior that every failure he's had, every major failure. So he's just like, <sighs> And he's giving him those marks on his face, and uh, it was, I was—I don't know. Sometimes you just have an idea like that, and it's just like, "Oh, that's <laughs> as a fan of the character, like I'm excited about it." Anyway,
1: Oh, no wonder. I, I because one of and now since you explained that to me, now I understand why in the first few pages, you know, I would see up close to his face, what the, mm-hmm. you know, there'd be like a scratch. It's like, oh, okay, now I get it.
2: Yeah, it's like the bad
1: guy's keeping score on his on the good guy's face, and then it's always a reminder to the eternal warrior whenever he looks in anything. It's like, I got this one from this. You know, when I fought him this time, when I yeah. saved the you know the princess or whoever, he got the mm. princess and he and. Oh, okay. Now, um, did I miss anything? Um, I don't. There's probably
2: like a million things, but. <laughs> <laughs> But here's the thing, I'm not going to remember him either. So you, with, you just talk about the stuff that's interesting to you and, and we'll talk about it. But um, yeah, I wrote like so many things. There was, I think my fr- the first uh, book I did for Dark Horse that I remember, like actual book, was three story, Secret History of the Giant Man. Mm-hmm. I think that was the, like one of my first original graphic novels I did for Dark Horse. Um, that might be the first. Again, I know Super Spied, I must have done that short story because you said I
1: did, but <laughs> <laughs> three stories the first thing I remember. Oh, ah, okay. All right. Now um, I'm gonna continue on. Now, you know, before we begin the, begin the interview, you know, I just wanna give a big shout out to David Hyde and Hannah Bahedry of Superfan Promotions. Um, you know, um, you know, for setting up for you know for setting up this interview. So David and Hannah, thank you very much. I, I'm just gonna ask, do you want to add anything to that?
2: No, I, I uh, thanks to them, they've they've been super helpful. And David's been working with me for years, you
1: know, just like mm-hmm. helping out. So <laughs> no, but thank you. Also, too, I want to let you know that um I got um now to listeners, I just want to let you guys know that you know I got some of Matt's information, you know, from a YouTube podcast, um Ross Ritchie, the found. Now correct me if I'm wrong, the founder and CEO of Boom Studios um that was back last year in february 25th 2021 um i also got some information um for this podcast from the superfan promotion press release and from matt's um own website and then this is the perfect time matt you know where can listeners follow you on social media social media i'm on everything facebook twitter
2: instagram just my name mm-hmm. it's like at matt kent um on most of those Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right so um
1: matt i'm going to start off where did you grow up
2: um i mostly grew up in in uh uh st louis mm-hmm. i think i graduated high school here and we've been here for 20s whatever since 1990, 1990. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> however many years that is 31 <laughs> years so I, I would say that's growing up here mostly
1: mm-hmm. and then um you know, like, do you remember what was it, like your first comic or Sunday comics that you read growing up?
2: Yeah, I it's funny, like I get asked this question a lot. And, and like the real, the main answer is like the Frank Miller Daredevil is what I kind of grew up. That was like, uh, the thing I was first reading. Yes. Um, but I was trying to think today, I was like, what are the other it's like, what other early formative stuff was there? And I think, um, weirdly, one of the uh, I remember being at my aunt's house in New York, and mm-hmm. just like, Killing Time there. And she had like every Garfield book. So like in one summer, I read every single Garfield book um, because it's all there was. I didn't have any comics there. There's no comic shop and then there's no whatever. I was just desperate for any kind of comic books. Mm-hmm. So I remember re- reading through all of those. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't know. They had. I don't think they had any influence on me other than like, well, I don't want, that's not, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the thing I don't want to do. But I did. I just remember having a fun time, we're like eating M&Ms and watching or reading Garfield all summer.
1: Yeah, but that, but that's, but that's the pretty cool thing about it. it's just to enjoy it, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's funny. You never know like what uh, what random thing you're gonna be exposed to, and then it's gonna have like kind of a fond memory for you when you're older. Oh, that's yeah. Those.
1: Now, listeners, um, this um, it's obvious that this is an audio podcast, but you know, I'm you know we're doing this video feed zoom video feed and over on matt's right hand sh- yeah um right hand shoulder he's got this amazing spinner rack i mean I'm it's been it. like challenges of the unknown from the 60s you know uh, oh my god um fantastic Four from set in you know, the 70s oh my god eight ball up there 8-Ball was the one I think you talked to Ross about. Um, was that the one you picked up from Chicago Comic-Con from Fantagraphics Booth? Is that correct?
2: Yeah, yeah. That was the first book I picked up where I was like, well, this is this is like a viable uh, path for me to take. Like I could see myself making comics that are mm-hmm. similar to this, you know, or that m- sort of mix genres that are for grown-ups, um, yeah. but are all kind of fun but also not like superheroes all the time. Yeah. Um, and it was a way uh, I could see me fitting into that. You mm-hmm. know, my art, my art style is a little different, so, but there was a way to do it that way.
1: I'm gonna ask, you know, this is the perfect place. So, um, how did you get started working in comics? Um, I, here's the
2: thing, I, I think, Every, one of the big questions everyone asks is like, how do you break into comics? And the way to break into comics is is to keep doing them, mm-hmm, just yeah. keep making them. And, and so there's like no magic way to break in. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so for me, like my earliest comics were, um, I, I adapted uh, Edgar Allan Poe, Pit in the Pendulum story, short story. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, but I didn't do it. I did it more as like spot illustrations or like a collage of illustrations and then I printed out the text of the story. So it was unabridged uh-huh. and I like and sort of like incorporated the text into the art um, and just pasted the whole thing up. And I did, what's funny, like an, now as an adult, I was like, what was I, what was the final purpose for that? I didn't put it into a comic book. I didn't show it to anybody. I didn't do anything with it other than complete the thing, you know?
0: Uh-huh.
2: And I think that that's kind of the, been the story of, how I broke in it was like I just kept I was just doing comics to like please myself you know or like do something that I thought was fun and entertaining and and uh and just enjoying the process and learning how to do it and like figuring out uh how comics work and how Mm -hmm. how to draw and different illustration styles and and um and I think that's that's the big thing like rather than focusing on like breaking into comics getting your book published for me it's always like well focus on enjoying enjoying it like you gotta love it you have to you have to enjoy the making of it or or there's a or the like i don't think the re- the reward is never going to be enough mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you have to really like doing it
1: yeah. i have to, i'm sorry off the cuff but that's pretty cool that you did your own your like your own you know version of the um Edgar Allan story where you know that's so cool. And like you said, it's you completed it, but it's just yours, you know? I, I, I just think that's pretty awesome. It's not like, I'm going to make this for, you know, um, you know, um, for my family to read or, or you know, um, yeah. I'm going gonna, gonna to go sell it on the street corner or something, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah no, it, it's funny. I, I don't even know. I don't know what I was thinking. Like, there's no outlet for it and no reason to do it. <laughs> Except oh. I, I'm sure it was this one summer, Like I spent all my, most of my summers were like, spent inside drawing and I was just reading all the time. So I was reading Mm -hmm. science fiction books and comics and whatever I can get my hands on. And Mm -hmm. um, I played outside a little bit, but
1: not that much. I did more reading than anything else. And then I'm gonna ask you, um, I'm gonna kind of sort of backtrack. Like um, what kind of books, TV shows, movies did you grow up, um, you know, with? Exactly. yeah
2: i will i'll mm-hmm. say i spent the summer uh reading every comic i get my hands on which is mostly just marvel comics back in like the 80s 90s um and then i i would just read tons of science fiction so i read like all of Arthur c Clarke, um bradbury um you know what i mean the tattooed the tattooed man's book uh
1: the illustrated man
2: illustrated man yeah yeah illustrated man so I went through Brad, Went through all the classics. I was like, "What are the best sci-fi authors?" So Clark, Bradbury, Philip K. Dick. Yes. Um, and then uh, I'm missing somebody else in there, but, but yeah, just all that stuff. If if it was sci-fi in the '80s, I've
1: I've read it. <laughs> no, but um, um, yeah, because I've read um, I've read a couple of Arthur C. Clark's. Right now, I am going through oh shoot the so meeting was it meeting rama rendezvous with rama
2: yes it's one of my touchstones like i everybody i talk to i i i tell them they got to read it because it's such a such a great idea and a great like a like you think the book is about one thing and then when you're done with it it's like it has such a big a bigger idea that just sucker punches you at the end and everything but i yeah i recommend that to everybody i was i was uh yeah if you've worked with me in any way I, at some point i've referenced that book
1: oh okay oh okay all right because like i said it's it's one it's one of those books where and, and i'm sorry to say this but you know I, i'll read it for a little while put it down come back a few months later read a little bit and but um because the only two arthur c clark books i've read was 2001 um okay. and then 2010 mm-hmm 2010 was incredible it was nothing like yeah. the i mean it's yeah it's really nothing like the movie but
2: yeah, yeah no both of those books are are so amazing and then um and uh yeah and then rendezvous with rama i get it like it's not even i don't think that's a it's i don't know if it's entertaining mm-hmm. but it's so good like it but i don't think it's satisfying either i think the fact it's unsatisfying in such a Mm-hmm. In such a satisfying way
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> if yeah. that makes sense because i think but it kind of um and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but t- to me so far it's just you know um because um the whole idea is that they it's it's a it's some type of huge spaceship that comes through our solar system and it's us meeting going into that spaceship and it's just and it's just almost like a um this is it's not you know the first few pages like this is what we did this is why we had to start using um indian names because we ran out of all we use up all the greek and romans for all the other objects or meteors or whatever and Mm -hmm. you know and then because i remember i think the last thing i remember leaving was i think when they got into the alien rama they have to walk down this long as they described this long staircase and that's and that's all it is it's just and it's he's still it's just laying facts, and it's not boring or dry or anything. it's just this is what we're doing you know
2: yeah yeah no it's it's not like i like the i like it because it's like almost like pure ideas and, mm-hmm. and like there's very little like character there's not really a lot of characters to care about or like plot to be concerned with you know it's almost like it's like these bigger ideas and he's just like detailing it and it's just fascinating to me like uh and that's what I'm saying is like I don't know if it's entertaining in a conventional way, you know, mm-hmm. like there's not like uh political drama or like interpersonal relationships you're mm-hmm. like wrapped up in, you know, like none of that is there. <laughs> so yeah. but uh but I don't I don't really require that. And I think like as a as a creator, I don't really read for entertainment anyway. Like I'm reading to 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 be inspired to come up with ideas, you know. Yeah. So uh, like I don't uh, I think I'm the books that I like, or some of the things I like, I like because it sort of spurs ideas in me, yes, you know. So then I'm I feel indebted that way, or I think that's a good book or that's a good movie because it made me think of an idea, yes. Um, so I don't know my like, I rarely recommend books or movies because I don't know what
1: people like, uh, yeah, no, but no, but um, I'm sorry, I'm kind of going off the cuff here, but I remember, um. I'm um, um, reading um, actually the just the foreword of Neil Gaiman and John Romita's um, The Eternals. I got the hardcover, mm. and I read the foreword, and I remember reading something about. I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the idea of where Jack Kirby got the idea for the Eternals was he. It's either he no, I think he read the book Chariots of um, Chariots of the Gods he didn't okay. believe, he didn 't believe in that stuff about you know oh, you know um, you know all those things, but he just loved the idea of it and that 's how he came up with the or supposedly how he came up with the eternals it yeah. gave him that idea yeah you know? no, I, I think that's great,
2: and that that's to me is what is important is um, another question I often get is like well, oh, what comics you know what do I read for inspiration and it's and I would say it 's definitely not comics, I want to bring things, not comics, into comics, you know, or do comics in a way that is different. And the only way to do that is to not, uh, I don't want to make comics and stories that are kind of about comics and -hmm. and comic stories. And so like the only way to do that is like read, read things, travel places, research stuff, and sort of bring outside influences in. And like Kirby, I'm not surprised at all that Kirby, yeah, he's reading all kinds of of stuff, you know, and it's like it does, it feeds it fed his engine, you know, and he and it ends up going through your filter, and coming out in a way that's uniquely you, you know. And, yes, uh, that's the way to do it.
0: Oh,
1: okay, all right. Um, right. Let's see. Sorry, Um, Matt. I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'm going to continue on, because I think this is probably the perfect segue to start talking about your flux house imprint. Now, I'm, I'm hopefully I'm pronouncing it correctly. Yeah, that's okay. right. Okay, now. Um, now, in the Superfan promotion press release, I want to read one of the quotes from IGN. And I love this. Because I, it, um, Kint breaks all pre- preconceived notions of what comic books are. I love it. Because when I was doing a little bit of research on you, it was like, and when I started, to, you, when I saw, you know, in the press release of what you're going to do with some of your Flux House comics, this is perfect
2: yeah yeah no i uh yeah i hope i can live up to that (laughs) but i no i i do i think uh i was somebody the other day was they were expressing concern over like oh they like the comics maybe being hard to get or or this or that and i and i to me it's not about that if you're not reading if you're not getting a comic if you're not able to read it in a way that's easy to get and read then then what's the point you know mm-hmm. people need to be reading them <laughs> so i <laughs> want to say that first before you think i'm just going off the deep end i'm going to do some nutty stuff that it's hard to get hold of or whatever but mm-hmm. um yeah i i really i feel like i've been i've been working in comics for 20 years you yes. uh, know always been trying at the beginning you're trying to figure out like how do i make comics what can comics do mm-hmm. yeah. um, and then the the older i got the more um I did, the more I was like, I'm going to try this, I'll try that, or you start to get ideas. And um, I know, like, I think with, even with Pistol Whip was my first book, and that was kind of pretty straightforward. If anything, Mm -hmm. like I was probably influenced by like Pulp Fiction and and, like narratives that were sort of uh, told out of sequence, you know, Mm -hmm. if I was going to give my influences for that early stuff. Um, But my second book, Two Sisters, when I hit that book, I was like, oh, I'm going to do two stories at the same time ones in the pirate times one in is in world war two and then sort of had them like collide at the, at the end. So yeah. you read them both at the same time and they collide. And I was like, well, that's, that was a little different, you know? And then, um, with that book, it was the first time I'd sort of come up with like artificial, um, rules for myself too. So I, in two sisters, I decided I was going to use no captions. I felt like I was using captions. Um, to sort of, as a crutch, to sort of story tell. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was like, well, I'm gonna see if I can do it without that. And then I was also, and I also did, there's no like abrupt scene changes either. Like mm-hmm. the camera would always be moving around. Um, and so it, it was interesting to try to work around that with these arbitrary rules I set for myself.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and then I feel like I, that was uh, from the beginning, I was like, well, I'm just gonna try either set up rules Uh, that i have to follow that nobody knows just to Mm -hmm. see where that pushes me um and then just try try to do things i haven't seen yet you know something that will entertain me um super spy after that i did there was like stuff with the cover if you held it up to light there's like see-through things you could that had secret messages and then um there's a bunch of little tricks in super spy that uh i'm not even remembering right now but um I would just do that like the for me the main concern was always like what's the story who are the characters mm-hmm. uh, you want to be able to care about it
0: mm-hmm. um
2: but then always is like a dual um track running in my head just like two sisters where there's like there's two tracks that my two tracks are story and character mm-hmm. and then the second track is like what can i do with this format and with comics yes you tell this to portray the story and the character.
1: Mm-hmm. It's,
2: it's always two tracks for me that I'm trying to work at the same time. And I think, um, let's well, have people laugh or I'll t- describe an idea because I'm excited about the second track, which is like the gadgety sort of gimmicky part of the story. But mm-hmm. that's, that's like, I haven't seen that. That's why I'm excited. Uh, story and character, compelling story and character you, uh, you see all the time. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's important. Uh, and I do care about it, but it's, it's not a... Um I just the kid in me gets more excited about the the flashier part of it. yeah you know, even though that's always for me it's always in service of character and story. Mm-hmm. Um so with Flux House, it's the same. Like I think I'm just this is like the this is like the the full uh that those ideas coming to full fruition where now I have total creative freedom. Yes. I have um budget to do some of the things that are, like I've always been told, like we can't, it's too expensive or it doesn't make financial sense. I'm like, well, okay, let's, <laughs> mm-hmm. now we have, now we have sort of some uh, money and resources to to do that with our course mm-hmm. and just uh, still tell good stories, but also have them um, done in a way that's a
1: little more unique. The thing, but, and I'm going to probably say is throughout, you know, um, our interview is, um and you've seen my notes is that you want to give the readers um you want the readers to be more of an active reader you know because like you said you um you know um you know you know just holding the comic book cover to light to see the secret code Mm -hmm. you know and and you know i'm holding up my um harlan elson's angry candy um book because like because when i was doing research about you you kind of and i'm sure other authors have done this but you kind of remind me a little bit of harlan ellison how he did does his books
2: yeah and i'll it, i'll take that uh compliment any day thanks <laughs> Har- harlan
1: genius yes because i mean it's like you know you know you, you know it's like you know i'm reading his stories and I'm, you know and it's like it's straightforward and all of a sudden you know um you know, all of a sudden, you know, I come across a page where it looks like some type of Egyptian hybrid bird and one yeah. word on top. and That's the whole page. Yeah. Or, or, yeah. He, or, and I can't remember if it was in this book or if it was another book where he had the words, you know, he had the part of the page, all the words spiral down into the middle, which was like, mm-hmm. Oh my God. But it's, but the thing is, is that he wants to, you know, you, and, and it's part of i 'm sure it's part of his creative what he wanted to do, but also too to make you know the readers also to be a participant because most of the time it's either we open we open whatever open a magazine a book or whatever and it's you know um it's just read you know right to laugh right and close it pile done
2: yeah you know? yeah 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 i think i think when I started working on mind management um it it uh it really uh sunk in for me that like comics cost like four or five bucks each and they're 24 pages at the most They're 24 pages and then you're reading and i'm i've been reading comics my whole life and so i'm paying five or six bucks for a comic that and i'm taking 10 minutes to read it and Mm -hmm. it's like even if i force myself to slow down and read it i was like okay i'm because i'm gonna savor it and look at the art and then um uh 10 or 15 minutes isn't enough that's not enough uh entertainment time (laughs) for me part of it is like math too right like i'll pay 10 bucks for a movie ticket but then it's two hours you know i'll pay 60 dollars for a video game and that's going to be it could be an ungodly amount of hours depending on what game it is you know i don't uh have to limit that that's a problem for me but um elden ring i'm looking at you (laughs) i had to quit i haven't played in two weeks um but uh but yeah the So to me, your entertainment dollar, like just as a consumer, I was like, I, it doesn't make sense for me to pay five dollars for ten minutes of entertainment, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, because the collectibility doesn't mean anything to me anymore. I don't really i, I collect comics in that I put them on the shelf, you know, or or usually I'll, if I'm real excited, I'll buy the the single issues and then I'll just give those away and then buy the book when it's Mm -hmm. done. Um, So when I was doing my management, I I felt like. I owed it to readers to put as much as I possibly could into every page and mm-hmm. every part of it, not just the story pages but the inside covers, the back covers, yes um, everything and so I added text on the side i did I have these backup stories, I did inside cover mm-hmm. stories I did fake ads that sort of tied into the theme of that issue um, and I think it was like so much work, but I was like well this is uh, this is what it takes like to For me now like that book is worth four dollars an issue you know when you buy and if you buy the trade it's like 20 bucks or 25 dollars for for one of the trades um that's definitely worth your money (laughs) you're gonna get like that's like uh it's more like video game level amount of uh time per dollar you know so if you're just looking at the math (laughs) which i the nerd in me does i was like oh that's a it's pretty economical entertainment Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I ever since then that's how I've, I've sort of tried to approach it too is like I want it to be worth it you know like comic I love comics I think they can do so much yes. um, and I think there's so much untapped like I think if you're just uh, doing a comic that you can just flip through and read and then go on to the next one I was like you're losing you're missing the power of comics you know there's so much you can do mm-hmm. um, and I think yeah I think that's uh, that's it's um what i used to i used to call them little time bombs like i would put mm-hmm. like i'd hide things in comics too and i still do like they it's in everything i've done it's just like a subtle thing not not just like a hidden subliminal message or something but just like subtle little things with design or with character or something in the mm-hmm. background that's like a you don't notice the first time maybe you don't notice yeah. it the second time you read it but the third time you read it you're like oh my god this is what there's an extra thing there and it's just sort of like it's it's the time bomb that it blows yeah. up when you when you discover it you know yes and it, i think uh i remember this hit me god back in the 1990s late 90s when i was there was an issue of blab uh, which is like an anthology magazine comic book and chris ware had done a cover and on the cover was like this it was like a little little orphan annie mm-hmm. uh parody he had done like this illustration of the city and she's in the city and then around the outside edge of it was like these other little com- these other little comic strip and I didn't I didn't look that close at it you know and then one day I was I had it uh, it's it was on my bathroom reading stack you know this mm-hmm. is before we had phones in the bathroom <laughs> but uh so I was sitting there and I was just staring at the cover and I was like oh my god the outside ed- outside story tells tells the story of what's going on in the main image Mm -hmm. and it was something that I've been looking at for probably six months and never picked up on Mm -hmm. and then I and then it's clicked and I was like well this is that's what I want I want all my books to have that moment where you read it and you're like oh that was good and then you come back to it or you look at it again later or it's just sitting on the shelf and you're like is that or you know turn upside down and you see something you know it's that moment to me is so fun it like Mm -hmm. adds so much value to the story um just to have those extra little things in it
1: i'm going to that's pretty cool um i and you know and and i'm going to say also to, but also to like to add all those little details in the background or subtle things it also and correct me if i'm wrong but to me it sounds like it also um um um, um touches on your creative side too, like not only just trying to get give the value of the comic, but it's like for you, it's like it's also for you to go, um, how can this how can I it sounds like it also for part of you to be fulfilled in doing the the work you put in. I hope I hope that makes sense. You know.
2: Yeah, no, I I mean I just have fun. Like I went to school, went to art school, but learned graphic design as well. So I've always had control over the Mm -hmm. the the entire project, not just the story, the pages in the middle between the covers, but like the actual covers. So I've yes. always, I even approach like the design of the book and the covers, the inside covers, none of that is not uh, considered. Um, and it's, it's part of the story. Like the cover mm-hmm. of the book is the first page of the story. That's mm-hmm. your introduction to the story. And so mm-hmm. I think that is as important as anything else, you know, if anything, the most important it has to do, it has to, first of all, get you to pick it up off the shelf. Yes. Second of all, it has to get you to open it you know and then also it needs to do a good job of like portraying what's going on inside or get Mm you you know it begins the story yes um and then the last thing has to do is like uh, when you're done with the story you look at it again and then that cover has to um you have to gain you have to have more knowledge or the cover the meaning of the cover changes after you've read the book so when you Mm -hmm. look at it that last time you're like oh now this cover means something completely different, mm-hmm. you know, I feel totally different about it. And so now when it's on the shelf, that book has forever been changed by you having read it, you know, rather than just sitting there. Um, it's changed. So like, I, I think, I think about that stuff as much as the story, you know, and it's, it's just as important.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. That, that is great. That's great, man. Um, I'm going to continue on because I want to touch upon your, um, your imprint with Dark Horse. Now, where did you get the idea of Flux House? um, Yeah, where did you get the idea of Flux House imprint? Where did it come from?
2: Um, It probably came from like, uh, college, when I went to school, um, we took this one class, like a performance art class. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) It was like,
2: it wasn't all performance art, it was like foundations. So it was like all kinds of art but what, there was a whole section on performance art which at the time I'm like oh, I don't says no bearing on my life I'm never going to use this what is mm-hmm. the point of this and uh and it was just like the crazy stuff it was like um there's this artist that would actually just like hammer a nail into his hand and like and uh a <laughs> crazy crazy stuff as part of his art and I was like well this is that's uh I'm not doing that yeah <laughs> I prefer writing and drawing you know but uh but uh, as I got older uh, and I'm going to conventions, and I'm and I'm signing books and and sketching in the books and everything, and and then uh, um, realizing I was like, oh, this is kind of it's a little bit of a performance, you know, to sign. Yeah. And if you're doing a drawing in a book, it was like, well, you're doing a public drawing. Your your art is on display, and someone's watching you do it. Um, and so I started to think, I was like, well, there's got to be a there's got to be a more fun way to do this. Yes. <laughs> and then I remember that class with the performance art and how they would do these crazy things like yes uh whatever and so then that's why i started i did a book called the tooth um which uh colin colin bun wrote and then um i uh there's a page in there where it's like an ad where you can cut the ad out what i do when i sign the book is i sketch on the that panel
1: Mm -hmm. and
2: then i cut it out and i glue it in the front um and the way it works is the part I cut out now the panel behind it sort of works the page in front of it as you read it it all yeah. works together um I was like well that was fun because then that made signing the books more fun I was cutting yes. the book up um and it was because of that that art class I had and I was like well this is cool now I'm doing something active you know at conventions it's not just drawing it's yeah. drawing and I'm doing something else um and I did the book Red Handed was another book where I did, I figured out a way to do the kind of the similar thing. Where it's just the corner page, uh-huh. the page and I'll burn. Yes. I'll burn the part of that book. Yeah. And that was even more fun because I'm now I'm lighting stuff on fire, which is always a little fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, also, here's the thing. Thematically, I felt like it fit in. That was a crime book, and I was like, I'm committing like kind of an arsonist yes. act, whatever. Signing the book, and so the, to me, it, it was important that it fit the the story of the book too. It's not just. Not just to do it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even though I will say I had that idea for bringing a book for a long time and I kept looking for a place I was like, this book, no, nah, it doesn't work. This book, yeah. no, nah, doesn't work. That book? Yeah, okay. <laughs> it works in this one. Um, so I do have a lot of ideas like that floating around where I'm like, it's like a crazy thing that I can do or a design idea. And then I just wait till there's a book that it thematically fits and then I can uh-huh. read it. Um but yeah, so with Flux House, that's kind of where I'm I'm just trying to turn the volume up on that and do yes. interesting things with the design. Yeah, um, we're doing a book. There's an evil cat book we're doing that's going to have like a fur, like a fur cover to it, um, which, is, which is ridiculous, but it also it fits the book. It's going to yeah. be creepy and weird and and furry. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, doing the mind management bootleg, like the four issue thing. Um, there's like a special edition or special covers that are going to be polybagged and they come with a, a playing card. And I was yes. like, that's totally like a nineties idea of like polybagging and like, yes. And uh, which I'm, uh, I'm on the fence about, right? Like, I don't want to, I don't like, I'm not into comics to collect them as collectibles. Uh-huh. I really think comics are meant to be bought and read Yes. and enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, that's how I feel. It's not stamps. We're not collecting yes. stamps and coins here. We're, we're making stories. Uh, uh-huh. um, but also I wanted to do something something weird uh, with the mind management relaunch. And uh, so we have these cards, but I was like, well, what's the card? If it's just art, like I throw those away or use them as bookmarks. As a yeah. But, but the, each playing card is like a standard playing card that you can fit into any deck of cards, like a, any 52 card standard deck, and it has special rules on it. So um, depending on what game you're playing, it's you play it as part of the part of any game you're playing so that it's compatible with any card game you yes. would ever play yeah <laughs> it sort of breaks a rule or adds a rule or something to it so every issue is going to have like one of those cards in there that is like there's a character and it makes thematic sense with the story yes uh, but it's also when i just stick it in your deck of cards
0: <laughs> oh, that, is I don't so, know.
1: that is so cool but um it, it's um i mean going back to like you know um, but the thing, it's more of um, it, it, again, it touches on your creative side. How you know how to get the, the readers more involved, and for the readers to go when they get the poly bag, you know they're gonna go. Wait a minute, I want to hear. You know, I've heard about these cards. Well, you know, if I'm gonna play with my friends with cards one day, I'm gonna stick this in the deck. And yeah, and, to, and it's to add, and it's to um, it's to add a little bit more excitement. You know to, yeah, just, yeah. you know, it's kind of starting. Um, yeah, just kind of adds a little more excitement to it. Oh. No, it's good,
2: and I and I hope like it's polybag, and the
1: polybag is printed
2: over the top, so there's like a clear panel in it, though, so that it reveals something to so you. Yeah, sort of interacts with what's on inside. Yeah. we actually had a we did special covers, uh, variant covers, with different artists doing the front cover, but we had to. What I, my idea didn't work like for the polybag, we, so we have to bag the, we have to polybag them backwards. So uh-huh. like the, the actual back cover is acting as the cover for the polybag covers because there's a clear panel that's going to show some special art I did. <laughs> but, but it was, uh, so it's like the weirdest, it's the weirdest polybag you've seen. But I, I do hope like the idea is like open it up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then uh, whatever, use your weird cards.
1: Um, no but that is that it's just so cool um and the thing is it's like it's um again it's to deepen the experience for the you know the readers too because like you said it's you know um when you go to the conventions you know like you know one of the books you did a little control burn where you just burnt the corner Be- mm. because it, it it adds a little bit more to again not only for you know you you to give a little bit more um, meaning to the to, um, to us the readers, but also the reader or you know one of your fans get, has a story go. Hey man, I went to you know um, a Hawaii con. Man, Ken was there. He burnt the corner off of this comic book. That was so cool, you know. <laughs> and and they get the it 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 it's a it, you know it, it's a great experience. It's a it's it's um it's a it's in a moment that they'll remember, you know. Yeah,
2: no, it's, I remember going to see, I saw Dave Eggers, um, he came and read his, uh, from his book at the local university here in St. Louis. He came and did a, it was like a speaking engagement where he came and read from his book. It was a heartbreaking work of staggering genius. Like one of his first, I think it was his first book. Anyway, he came and uh, what stuck with me is he came and then he, the very first thing he did, he's like, hey, they paid me. The university paid me three thousand dollars to come here and read from this book. Mm -hmm. Um, So I cashed the check and I got it all in five dollar bills. And then he handed a five dollar bill out to everybody in the audience. You know, and I was like, I was like, what? Yeah, like he because it wasn't about the money, right? You know, it was like that struck me. I was like, this is a guy who cares about writing. You know, cares about books. Um, And then everybody, you know, I had him sign my book, and he and that five dollar bill is like it's in my book. Like that's part of the book now. You know, I was like that's a moment you never forget and i was like i there's got to be ways to do that that make it um that are interesting because it's about it's about the content of the book but it's also creating a memory but and also just kind of having fun like yeah it it had to be so fun giving out five (laughs) dollar bills yeah (laughs) i gotta i gotta figure out a way to do that
1: That one we won't tell Dark Horse, all right? Yeah, yeah, no,
2: I'm like maybe give a dollar (laughs) bill. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out.
1: (laughs) All right. So I'm sorry. I'm gonna start backtracking a little bit. So, um, um, how did you, um, you know, how did you partner up with Dark Horse, um, regarding Flux
2: House? I I've been doing some books with them already, and Mm -hmm. I've been working with Dark Horse for a long time. And I Mike Richardson, who's president of Dark Horse, been there forever. Like he started Dark Horse like when I was just a fan of comics, and I'm reading the Legends line with Frank Miller and Paul Chadwick and Mm -hmm. um, Mike Mignola. and like uh, God, who else? John Byrne back then was like Mm -hmm. Jeff Darrow, Jeff Darrow, all huge i was a huge fan of all those guys and everything so i was uh a fan of dark horse from then you know and i know they always had like a good interesting balance of like license work but then also this creator own stuff which is uh so important and um and then mike um i remember i had pitched uh i pitched mind management to vertigo at the time and then they didn't it was like I got to a certain point. It was like it was too weird. It wasn't. They didn't understand it. Which is okay. Part of, part of it could have been my fault in pitching it. You know. Yeah. Um, So I'm not no no shade on Vertigo at all. Yeah. Because um, I ended up doing I did book Revolver with them and it was great. But mm-hmm. but I took uh so my management I pitched to someone at Dark Horse and then um that one of the others was like like hey, we're not I pitched it as. 56 issues monthly series you know mm-hmm. i'm doing everything and then there an editor there was like or like we're not really doing series right now we're only doing graphic novels i was like because mm. that's what vertigo had said too and i was like okay yeah. <laughs> i was like i guess i'm not doing a series i wanted to do one monthly series you know and just try to do it all on my own um and then a couple weeks weeks uh, weeks 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 or months later i think um I had a different book coming out and Mike Richardson called me up mm-hmm. and he was like, why aren't we doing your next book? And I was like, I don't talk to Mike. Mike's not a person that I call on the phone all the time. And yeah. I like, I've, yeah. I've said hi to him. Thanks to him at a couple of shows. And he yeah. took me out to dinner with some other people. Um, but He's not a person that uh, I ever talked to on the phone. So he yeah. called me. I was like, why are, you, you're call, why are you calling me up? I'm thinking, why are you're you kind calling of surprise, me? Surprise, right? <laughs> He's like, we want to. was like, why aren't we doing your next book? And uh, I was like, well, I was like, I pitched this 56 issue thing monthly, and I'm like, I was told that we're gonna do a month. He's like, he's like, that's nonsense. He's like, it's <laughs> like we're we're doing we're doing it. Send me the. He's like, send me the pitch. So I was like, okay. <laughs> so I him my 56 issue pitch for like, which is like a five year series, you know, yes. monthly series. And then he's like, okay, let's do it. And I was like, I was like, oh my god, why? <laughs> and uh he was but it was like he liked my other books he liked three story like he was a fan of my other books and so he wanted to be he was just supporting me you know like and here I didn't know I didn't know he knew who I was exactly or (laughs) any of that and then uh so he approved that 50 and then I was like okay and then I was like oh my god that's gonna be five or six years of my life how about We'll do a three-year, 36 issue, and then I'll I'll just cram it all into I can get five years into three three year yeah. series, you know? And uh and it was like, okay. And then I did, I did a monthly book for three years and it almost almost killed me. <laughs> but I did it. But uh yeah, so that's that's why I'm working with Dark West, because I mean the short answer is Mike has supported me my whole career. And when I pitched in this idea. I had a whole line of books and all these crazy ideas for fur covers mm-hmm. and I want to do a book that's like a deck of cards and I want to yes. do another, book that's like magazine size. Yes. Um, he's like, he's like, okay. He's, you know what I mean? He was
1: excited about it. So mm-hmm. that's why. Oh no, but that's pretty cool. Um, how, you know, I'm going to ask you, can you describe, may I ask, can you describe how, ex, now you said that, you know, um, you know, they've been very, you know, Dark Horse has been very supportive, especially Mike, who's been very supportive of your career. Can I ask you, can you describe how excited you were when, you know, they said, yeah, let's do your, you know, let's do your, uh, let's do the Flux House imprint, you know, you know, you know, was was... It like, you <laughs> know, can, can you describe how excited you were when they said, hey, let's do this. Let's, let's do your Flux House imprint, you know, like, was uh... it, oh, sorry.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I was like, I'm going to tell you, I was excited for like 60 seconds. I was so excited. And then immediately I was terrified. (laughs) It was was similar to, it's like pitching a six-year monthly series that you're doing all by yourself and then getting it approved and being like, whoa, wait, okay, what have I done? (laughs) done?" And so I, I did, I was like all excited because I have all these crazy ideas. And then now I'm like, oh my God, now I have to I have to execute. Yes. You know? I have to make sure that these books are good. I have to make sure that we don't, like I don't want to lose money. Like I don't want to do a fur covered mm-hmm. book that is so expensive uh, nobody will buy it. So we have to mm-hmm. figure out like part of it for me is now balancing like the business part of like mm-hmm. navigating like the comic book industry mm-hmm. and the financial part of it with like, how do we make it so it's a viable project? You know, mm-hmm. Not just, it's one thing to like pitch a fur covered book, but it's another thing to like, make that uh a reality mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so it's it's happening it's all happening it's just like it's so much work you know mm-hmm. they're, the, they're like in all the design I'm, I want to have my hand on every part of the design I don't want to hand anything off so mm-hmm. um, it's a it's just a lot of extra but it's important to me you know it's like yeah. i i uh, I want these books to be i feel like there's there's digital comics and then there's so much good television and yes. movies mm-hmm. there's so much, and video games are so good now. Like, I was like, how do you, how do you compete with that? Yes, You know, like if you, if somebody's just going to download a digital $10 uh, PDF of your comic and read it on an iPad and the color looks so good, like, mm-hmm. like the, the colors on the iPad are so juicy and great. Like I like seeing comics on it cause it's so bright, but yes, yeah. uh, I was like, well, how do I, how do you beat that? The, the convenience—you can't beat the convenience. But how do you beat um, the, the whatever the value and then what you're getting? And I was like, mm-hmm. well, the only way to do that is to make the book an actual uh, art object. Mm-hmm. Make the book something that's critical to the story, mm-hmm. you know, and your experience in reading it, you know. And so I think um, that's what I've been doing. I've been approaching every one of these books as something that you can get digitally. You'll read it. You, you can read. You're going to be able to read the the evil cat book digital mm-hmm. and then the cover will look like i guess it'll look like fur on your ipad but it's not going to feel like fur yes <laughs> and uh i'm trying to think and then the magazine we're doing a couple magazine sized books too that are going to be they're bigger than the ipad so like if you want to see it big and great like you're going to have to get the actual magazine and like mm-hmm. it's going to be designed um to look great and just like something that you'll want to have on yourself really like mm-hmm. i i love uh collecting books graphic novels comics like but i the ones i keep are the ones that look cool yes you know, i have to like the story but they also have to look really cool
0: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> it's gonna be both of those
1: um i'm gonna jump just a little bit of a head, um because um i'm gonna come back to mind management bootleg in a minute but like um I know, you know, um that your imprint will cover different genres such as crime, science fiction, humor stories. Um can you talk about any of these titles right now? Like what can we expect in the in the next 6 months or next year? If you can't, that's fine.
2: Yeah, I I'm not sure how much I can say and then uh
1: <laughs> but
2: but yeah, I uh the bootleg, my management bootleg is the first one and then um and then I'm working with I've sort of over the last few years, I've I've been comfortable working with certain creators that I really just like bonded with, and like we have a trust working together. So I'm I'm going to be I'm drawing two books, and then one of them my wife is painting. Charlene's painting one of them, Um, so we're doing that. She's working on now. We just went over the first um, the first issue of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it looks it looks cool because <laughs> she painted it. Mm-hmm. Um, There's one I'm working on with her. that's like a, a like spy genre is what I would say. Um, going back to spies, I can't get away from them. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then I'm um, I'm drawing uh, another book that's that's like a year away, so I won't talk about that one. Well, oh yeah, no, yeah.
0: yeah.
2: But then uh, and then I'm working with David Rubin. We're doing another book together. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I'm working with uh, Wilfredo Torres, who did we did bang together mm-hmm. and people have been asking us about a follow up to bang, which we are gonna do. We have like three books planned, two mm-hmm. more books planned i guess um but we I wanted to do this other one first it's gonna be like an oversized magazine size like uh epic uh thing <laughs> then <That's laughs> I'm working awesome. on one with him and then uh um and then I'm doing one with Tyler Jenkins. Uh, oh. Okay. And so we, uh, and then we haven't announced any of those books yet. But I'll at least talk about my favorite creators that I like working with, and mm-hmm. then those are the guys, you know. So, um, and with Tyler, his um, Hillary Jenkins is painting it too. So it's like we've done so many books together. We did Grass Kings, Black Badge, um, Apache Delivery Service, and now this one. So we that, that might be my most Collaborative team I've worked with <laughs> between him,
1: them, and uh, David Rubin. I'm going to ask. You know, um, I'm just going to ask you. Um, I know you named the number of artists, your wife um, painting one of the books. I'm going to ask. Do you want to give any other shoutouts to other people that you're working with um, on your upcoming comics? Any cover artists? Any letterers? Any editors? I know it's a ton, but you know. Okay. Yeah, no, I'll say, I'll just do, like, bootleg was one of those
2: things that's been in the works for, like, two years. Mm-hmm. And so, Farrell Darlimple was one of my favorite artists. Like, I was just a fan of his, you know, and approached him at a show, and and I was like, hey, we should do something together sometime. And he's like, okay. And I was like, eh, but I never really believe it, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it's like, mm, okay. Like, I'm just some guy bugging you about working together. But, um, anyways when he agreed to do it i was so excited and then um we got matt lesniewski who had worked with before on um crimson flower mm-hmm. he's he's one of those guys um I, you just gotta pay attention to him because he's still young he's so fast and he's just like fully formed like his stuff is just like it's better and better every day but he was already like out of the box was like fully formed uh totally unique like nobody like him i was looking at his stuff the other day i was like i always like I'm like, he's kind of like, he's like a little bit of art crumb mixed with, uh, and then I hit me, it was like Will Eisner. Like if you jammed Will Eisner and art crumb together, mm-hmm. I was like, uh I was like, that's what, it, but it's not that even either. I keep trying to want to compare him and it's, it's always unfair. And, and artists hate that when you do it. Yeah. I don't mind it. Um Because it's like, usually it's somebody better than me. So I was like, Oh, I'll take that. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I, he's so hard to pigeonhole, but he's so, he really is just unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and David Rubin's work on, did an issue of, of My Mansion it was, uh, whatever, I just love working with him. We did, mm-hmm. me and David and Jeff Lemire uh, worked on a Kickstarter book, Cosmic Detective, which is being printed this week, as we speak, is being printed. Um, and that's coming out. We'll be shipping those in the summer. Oh, okay. But, uh, so De- and David's awesome. And then Jill Thompson's right or drawing and painting the issue four of it. So it's, mm-hmm. that's like, uh, I'm just trying not to be, you know, a big nerdy fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was like, it's still Thompson. <laughs> I, was like, I send her like the most gushing emails about it, like how amazing it is to have her doing this and, and, uh, and the pages look so good and, uh, whatever. So it's, it's, uh, comics has been so fun and weird. And then the older I've gotten and the better, uh, um i've done i was like i've been i got to work with jill and then um jeff darrow i talked to like we like talk on the phone i'm totally dropping names now but i was like no he's uh he came up to me one of my one of my most favorite moments at a convention was uh jeff darrow walking up and wanting the the last volume of mind management like he wanted volume six i was like that i was like first two things one is uh Jeff Darrow coming up to me, you know, and the second thing is like, volume six means he read the first five. I was, <laughs> like, like, I was like, you're reading this. I was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, uh, um, anyway, it was just, uh, it was so funny, but we sort of hit it off. And, uh, anyway. And he did, he did a cover for me for the end of mind management, the issue 36, he did a variant that was hanging, it's hanging up, uh, it's hanging up out there in the mm-hmm. other room. <laughs> But uh, anyway, so that's one of my favorite moments. And it's, it's just uh, makes it worth doing comics when you can have people of that stature come up and just chat with you.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is awesome. That's really awesome. Um, let's see. I, I want to talk just the. um, I just want to talk a little bit about mind management bootleg that's going to come out. Correct me if I'm wrong. Sometime in July, correct? I think so, yeah. yeah, don't ask me. Oh, no, no, yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I, I'm sorry, I meant to look up what data, and I just, I, for, I forgot to look that up. I'm pretty uh, sure
2: it's July, but uh, yeah, don't don't ever rely on me for any kind of fact checking.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I, and I'm sorry, I'm gonna ask this question, but I wanna ask it for our new comic book readers, you know, um, because if someone's interested about mind management, bootleg, and just what we talked about, you know, of your imprint, um, May I ask, you know, for new comic book readers, may I ask, can you describe what the mind management series is about?
2: Yeah. uh, I'm terrible at pitching, so it's not going to be a good pitch, but I will say, um, like, the general premise is it's it's, uh, spies with mind powers, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's, like, a secret organization that's been recruiting people to sort of tap into the untapped powers of their mind and Mm – And really, when I approached my management, to me, the idea is to just take reality and turn it up by like 20%, you know, so like things, if you believe in mind over body or like that you can like believe yourself into healing something, you know, Mm -hmm. even if you have like, even even if you believe that a little bit, this is like taking that little bit of belief and then making like, okay, well, what if, what if now like you could uh, heal yourself from like a gunshot? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's like, it's based in reality uh, almost mm-hmm. <laughs> but but uh but yeah so that's kind of the take and it's just to me it's just like a lot of uh um uh, it's people i a lot of i'm doing one thing but then the feedback i always get is like this book makes me so, sort of feel paranoid or it makes me feel like i'm not getting everything mm-hmm. and I was like, well that's that's good because you uh should make you feel paranoid and you're definitely not getting everything <laughs> like go back <laughs> and look i could point any issue i could just be like here's the thing here's i I, sh- I could write a uh um companion book that goes through every page and i've thought about doing it but it was like it's so much work <laughs> <laughs> um part of the fun is like discovering those things on your own but uh, mm-hmm. yeah so i'd say spies of mind powers this is this new series is like a good jumping on point and i mm-hmm. just talked to david hyde just, i talked to him this morning he's like hey everybody always says uh you know, this is like a good jumping on point if you've never read anything before. He's like, this one, this is actually a good jumping on point. Okay. <laughs> I mean, oh, okay. You know? All right. And uh, so it, I'm what I'm saying. I'm not saying, oh, because I hope you buy this one. I'm saying because it it really is like you don't need to read anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I consciously was doing that because it's been a few years since the last my management, and I didn't mm-hmm. want to do a thing where like, oh, now I gotta go read like 36 issues of something else.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
2: man, just just do this one. It's its own. It's kind of a standalone thing. There are, if you've read the old stuff, like there's little echoes and nods to some things that you'll you'll pick up on. Yeah, but it's not important. And uh, it's four new characters, and they're all like they're being recruited, um, anew by like the head of mind management, who's uh, whatever. I won't spoil too much. No. Oh, yeah. Um, and then to go on some crazy mission and uh involving involving uh. Uh, I won't say. Yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah, don't. <laughs> but,
1: but the thing is, but, but, man, I understand. But one, first off, you know that that's great that you know with uh, mind management bootleg is going to be kind of a a fresh start to it with, like you said, you know, little echoes here and there of the previous series, and and like you know, with most like how we jumped into comics, everybody jumps into comics. Is we always jump in in the middle of a story, right? And then Mm -hmm. then it's like, okay, I want, okay, if this is good, I want to read what happened before. So hopefully people go back to, oh, oh, there was, you know, like someone go, yeah, I remember hearing about this. Let me go back to, you know, let me get volume number one.
2: Yeah, no, it's good. I I think uh, ideally that would happen, but I I always approach mind management um, in a unique way from anything else I've done only because it is like the longest thing I've done Mm -hmm. Um, and there's, the most it's the most um but i also wanted to i always keep wanting to revisit the world and do things with it but i always but i never really wanted to continue this i don't want to like we we start the series or do a whole new series i Mm -hmm. and so over the years instead of doing that i've consciously tried to do things that are standalone that fit into the universe to tie into like those first 36 issues as like that's the base Mm -hmm. but then everything i do after that is like a standalone thing that ties into it, but it's also its own thing, but also a different format. So like I did, um, I did a book and record where you listen to the record and you read along with it. Um, oh my God. And it. And uh I was like, well, that's its own thing. And I want, I've wanted to do a book and record, read along book and record forever. It's yes. so like, it seemed like it made sense with mind management. There's like a, if you play it backwards, there's a secret message on, on both sides. Um, so that, that's the thing I did that was like, technically like a sequel or like a whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I did, um, um, did, we did a board game this last year. So the board game is its own thing. And, uh, and then inside the board game, the board game is as, as nutty as the book. Yeah. Inside the board game, there's 14 little boxes. And in each box, there's like extra rules and extra stuff to play the game. But there's also a little mini comic in every one. So there's 14 mini comics, eight page mini comics in that game so, but it's designed too for i've assumed that people buying the game they're not going to know the comic mm-hmm. you know yeah um, so you're buying and so you're getting you're learning about mind management it's its own thing that stands alone but if you know mind management comics then it's like oh my god this is like <laughs> ties in um and then i'm trying to think there's like one other thing we did oh we did so there is in addition to that game we did it this is where i got the idea for the playing cards is we did a deck of my management playing cards they're coming out this summer mm-hmm. around the same time as the comic, I think in August, so like a month mm-hmm. later. Um and the playing cards, it's a deck of 52 with all new art on everything. But the um every one of those cards has its own little rule that changes the rules of any game you're playing. Um so that it's a whole deck of those. And mm-hmm. so you can play any game with that deck and then the whole every card is going to be screwed up in some fun way. Um, but that's why the the cards I put into the comics um, can be put into that. They match that deck exactly. Yeah. But those, the ones in the comics are actually, uh, um, they'll match that deck. So you can slide them right in. But they also, they stand out. So like they work in any deck in a way where it's like, if you have a hand of cards, it's yeah. obvious you've got, you've got one of the weird ones, right? But yes. if you have all four of them, you've got one of four weird ones. So they know you have a weird one, but they don't know which one. So they don't know what you're gonna do with it, but uh-huh. the idea is they know you have it, so they're kind of paranoid that you. I was like, oh, he's got that, he's got that weird card. What's he gonna do with it? So it, it's a anyway, everything sort of ties into everything,
1: but also stands alone. But that I, but that I'm I'm gonna say it, that is genius. <laughs> it is no, because the thing is, because again, it's if you know, for fans of mind management. Not only for you know the comic book series, but if they hear about the game, they're going to play it. They're going to go, and it's and it's and like you said, it it can be tied in, but then it can also be a standalone too, which is great, you know.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's amazing how the board game debuted debuted. uh, Gosh, when like at the end of last year, maybe, Uh or over the last summer, and then we sold out. We reprinted, so the new printing's coming in August, but. uh, it was amazing how many people like board games. I'm a huge board game fan. So I went to Gen Con like five years ago for the first time. And I was like, what's going on here? What is, what's all this? Yes. <laughs> you know? And then I just got sucked into uh, board games. Like I'm such a huge, like that's my only hobby now.
1: Uh-huh.
2: But, but, uh huh. Um, but it was amazing to me how many people bought the game. They didn't know it was a comic. And it's like, mm-hmm. there's such a huge untapped audience that, yes. uh, would read comics, wants to read comics, they just, you know, they don't know. Maybe they just haven't or they stopped reading them when they were a kid. Yeah. Yeah. But there was a huge crossover audience for board gamers uh, wow. in the
1: comics. So it was kind of fun. But again, like I'm gonna say that's genius because again, it's you know, it's um you know, um looking outside the comic field, you know, to how how do you you know it's i i think it's a great way to literally expand just that one story you know your story of mind management to different areas
2: mm-hmm. yeah i it, think it's is, the one thing i've done that's like thematically makes sense you. that it would like it would like uh infiltrate every part of your life yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, not, like not just like your books not just your games you know your car game is weird now and then um and then hopefully television. We're I'm working on television I can't talk about, but mm-hmm. yeah.
1: you know, like
2: uh if I could, if you can imagine what that what that would do to your like a weird uh streaming show. <laughs> like, yeah. How strange that could be, you know, like that's what we're trying to build with that as well, you know, and just make it like uh, the thing is like you're just applying now the weirdness of my management and like it's sort of subversive nature to everything in your life, you know, which is kind of fun.
1: like like I said, that's genius. And also too, it's great because you're still looking for inspirations, you know, to put, you know, to add to your, to your storytelling. And it's not just with my management, because I'm sure you've got other things where it's like, I want to do this, but I got to wait to see how I can fit this right and not just throw it in. And, you know, yeah. 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 No, I'm,
2: uh, yeah. I'm, I'm working on a, one of the flex house things is going to be, i'm calling them story decks and they're decks of cards there's it's a story so the first one i'm doing is like a time travel story where you you flip through them in order and read the story and at the end there's time travel there's directions like okay now flip flip these 10 cards put it in this order and i'll read it again um and then you can read it and it's sort of like works in a loop so like it's a time travel story that um loops around itself and it's it's a deck of cards so every deck is going to be like a panel
1: mm-hmm. um
2: and it but it's just like a, like I have a big map of, yes. of the whole story and it's, it's so complicated to figure out. <laughs> that's like, but it's, it's fun. It's like, to me, I was like, that's still comics. It's like a little, yes. I mean, a nice little pocket-sized book that you can flip through and read. And it's almost like the act of reading it is like swiping on your phone. Yes. actual deck of cards. Um, so that's, that's fun. That's probably a next year project
1: that is that
2: of stage two
1: (laughs) that is great again it's like that is so great because again it's to make the readers be a participant
2: yeah i know it's fun i i think when anytime you hold a book you're participating right like the feel of whatever you're feeling it's all working on a subconscious level like even like what stock they picked for the, the book you know mm-hmm. and then like the art in the front and the back and like everything about it is like is like making you feel a certain way about the story you know mm-hmm. and there's nothing better than like a well-designed book mm-hmm. to make you just like excited to pick it up and look and look at it and and um, so like I, I just think um, I want to mm-hmm. pay I want comics to be as as cool as anything
1: yeah Okay. All right. Um, sorry, Matt, I'm going to try to wrap this up because I'm, um, yeah, just to wrap, to wrap this up. Um, now I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just asking and, you know, in the future, you know, will you give like, um, a writer artist, um, who's been in the business for a while to be able to play in the, um, uh, in your sandbox?
2: Oh yeah. I've, I've thought about that. And then I've worked with, artists before i don't know about collaborating with a writer
0: oh that's <laughs> but,
2: fine but uh i think me and uh jeff lemire have written together and so i would consider doing that and mm-hmm. then me, and then honestly me and counter reeves working together has been almost the same relationship so i would those are the two people i would trust mm-hmm. yeah uh, it's, it's tough writing is different because there's more of like there's more potentially more ego involved. And then mm-hmm. because of the it's the story, like the idea, mm-hmm. you know, and then like, how do you split it up? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's trickier to, to write things or, but I, and I can't imagine handing over something I've created to another writer to write, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think no I could ever. do it. Yeah. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to in the future using Flux House as a way to um, help promote like other creators among, mm-hmm. like like a writer or an artist or, or somebody who, to that fits like yes what these books are you know i I would be opposed to that but i just think right now it's it's early on i would want to establish like what we are first yes and then and then sort of fold people in as as i can but i would love to i'd love to use this as a way to like promote some of my favorite people in comics you know Mm -hmm. hopefully
1: we get there yeah oh okay all right now this next question let me um give let me just kind of um you know, give the audience where I'm coming from, the listeners. So now I know I read in the press release that, you know, some of your Flux House comics, of course, you already mentioned about one cover will have fur. I also read one of the covers would have a punch card dust jacket that reveals a secret message. Oh, now, yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. Not about that one? <laughs> I'm um, actually, let me, ha- uh, you want to talk about that for a little bit before I ask my question? <laughs>
2: Hey, yeah, 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 sure. We, yeah, we're, uh, this book, I guess we're not announcing the book yet because we haven't announced it, but okay. the, the, I can talk all about the design. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. they didn't say I couldn't do that. But yeah, it's the, the cover and back, it's hardcover. Front and back cover is all just a bunch of letters, uh-huh. you know, and then there's like a belly ba- a band that, uh, will be like the dust jacket uh-huh. uh, that wraps around it. Um, and so what I've done is, um, I have a special punch, Whole punch. I had uh-huh. to get a special whole punch because you, regular ones don't work. They're not long. They won't reach all the mm-hmm. way across. Yeah. This and then, uh, so when I sign it, I have I'll punch out certain holes, and then when you when you wrap it around the book, it'll reveal secret codes. So there's mm-hmm. probably like maybe fifteen different uh, messages mm-hmm. hidden into the book that aren't revealed until I punch out the the right holes, and then you can line it up and read the the secret message.
1: <laughs> now now I'm going to ask my question and I'm joking on this part. Now, will one of the messages read drink your Ovaltine?
2: <laughs> there's, there's one message that is not exactly that, but it's the modern equivalent. <laughs> it's like, whatever you think the modern equivalent of that is, that there is one of those.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I'm slowly wrapping things up. Um, do, um, do you, I'm gonna ask. Please promote your YouTube channel. I I caught a clip of it one where you're oh, yeah. signing your um the um I I can't remember. I guess your the recent edition of uh, mind management. But yeah, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask if you can just promote your YouTube channel.
2: Yeah, yeah. You I I don't know what the address is, but if you just YouTube, go to YouTube and search my name. It mm-hmm. probably pops up right away. But yeah, I've been doing. I've been trying to post a little bit of everything, like process stuff. Um, just like there's a studio tour um, mm-hmm. and then just different odds and ends, different things here or there. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, yeah, go subscribe to it. And then uh, there's more, I did a, the most popular video on there so far has been like the writing tutorial where I video, I shot a video of myself writing a screenplay in real time or not a screenplay, a script, comic book script in real time. Mm-hmm. Like as I, I had the outline and I just talked through the whole process, which is like maybe one of the most, hardest way to uh, to ever write a script ever is to video yourself doing it in real time and -hmm. then talk about what you're doing and everything you're thinking about while you're doing it (laughs) so so if there's one video i would recommend that one only because uh i'll I'll never do it again it was Mm -hmm. too hard and then uh but uh yeah so yeah yeah, go check it out i think it's entertaining
1: (laughs) all right now um I'm gonna ask this question. I, I think he touched upon the answer a little bit, but, um, but I wanted to ask this question is, what is the most fun or exciting thing that you love working in comics right now?
2: That, I, that I'm working on? Or, the, or what
1: do you love about work, um, love, um, what's one of the most fun or exciting things that you love working in comics right now, you know? That I'm enjoying, you think, like yeah. consuming of comics? Hmm.
2: What's the process,
1: around? or
2: yeah, I don't know for my for me, like drawing is like the most fun thing. like I don't get to do it enough because I've been writing so much. So I think drawing I've been doing um back covers for this new mind management uh, comic because mm-hmm. we realized that the back covers need to be the front covers, but that mm-hmm. means it need to be art <laughs> on them. So I had to draw those. Um, kind of under duress because <laughs> it was the deadline. We didn't, I didn't realize it was my fault. I didn't realize how we were going to have to bag them. Um, and then I think I did, there's a surprise backup story in my management that I did that I wrote and drew painted um, that uh, my wife saw the pages when they're out. And she's like, this is the best thing you've ever done. So like, maybe that's the thing I'm most excited about. Mm-hmm. Cause I tried to do, I worked in a different style on purpose. Um, like under a pseudonym, I was like, I'm gonna use a pseudonym and do like so that frees me up to like paint a different way and draw a different mm-hmm. way, um, and people aren't expecting anything. And then uh, so I did that, and then and then Charlene was like, she's like, this is what is this for, <laughs> <laughs> right? I was like, oh, you like it, <laughs> and anyway, so that made me probably the most excited I've been in a while, just because because she liked it.
1: <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Um, um, do you know when your next convention or sor- store signing appearance will be?
2: Yeah, I'm, fall? I'm doing
1: uh, Charlene and I are both doing
2: Heroes Con in Charlotte in mm-hmm. next month. Okay, um, and there's I just found out that there might be a chance I'm going to San Diego. Oh, I, no. I, that's not for sure yet. So oh, I don't, okay. I, I'm not 100, I'm like 80. Mm-hmm thinking mm-hmm. i'm going
1: yeah. <laughs> so let's we'll see no, okay. stay tuned <laughs> all right um two more questions um have you and your family been to hawaii
2: yes we've been there uh four times and then on your previous question if uh hawaii con everyone needs me out there i would i would be out there in a heartbeat mm-hmm. <laughs> it's our it literally is our favorite place on earth like i like i i came out there years ago when i was working on department H. I was like, I'm going to do, use this as research. Right. And we did snorkeling. I was going to go diving, but then I chickened out because I'm scared of drowning. <laughs> so, but, uh, but I, uh, we did a lot of snorkeling and then, and then, uh, technically it was research and everything, but definitely it was inspiration. I, there's a cover I drew, I drew while we were there. That was just like, Oh, totally inspired by it. But we, it's the greatest place on earth. We, the last time, two times ago, I came back and I was like, I, I don't honk my, I don't use my horn anymore. And I like, I refuse to honk. It's because of the last time we were there, I realized, I was like, nobody honks here. This is like, everything is so chill. I mean, it's exactly like, uh, it's like what I want my personality to be. And most people think I'm like chill all the time and laid back. And, and I am most 90% of the time, but there's 10% where I'm just like, Stressed out or whatever. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, but we came back that one time. I was like, I'm never honking my horn again. I'm like, I'm just gonna be I'm gonna drive chill and be uh calm all the time. And uh yeah, it's changed my life. <laughs> I, but, I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna so um no, I no, I take it you've been to Oahu, right? Have you Oahu, been, Maui the Oahu? Oh. and the Big Island. <laughs> so, uh,
2: okay. We've been to the Big Island twice and then uh and then maui and oahu and then um yeah i don't know where we're going next but okay it's hard we're always like which one where's our favorite what's our there's no way to choose (laughs) if you uh yeah Mm -hmm. if you have a if you have a backyard i could i could live in or whatever i'd
1: probably stay (laughs) (laughs) let me know all right (laughs) um Final question, any closing words to our listeners?
2: I don't know, just be be kind to one another. Mm -hmm. That's
1: all. Okay. All right, so Matt, you know, I wish you all the best and all the success for your Flux House imprints um, with Dark Horse Comics. And I wanna say mahalo, thank you in Hawaiian for your time. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to interview. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you so much, man. Appreciate the time. Oh, thank you. And then I also want to give a, um, I also want to thank Hannah and David of Super Fan Promotion for help setting up the interview. So Hannah, David, thank you very much. Uh, if you are a new comic book reader or a lifelong comic book reader, please check out Matt Kint's Flux House imprint from Dark Horse. Um, Um, the first book from this imprint will be mind management bootleg. That's going to come out in July. And like Matt has talked about, you know, there's going to be playing cards that's going to come out in August. There's going to be, I guess, like a a reprint or a second edition or second printing of the, of of the mind management board game. You know, it, it just talk, Matt, I got to say just talking to you is great because it's, you're expanding, you're expanding um, storytelling to, you know, um, different areas, not just in comics, but it just also, and also too, is to have people interact with each other too, whether it's the board games, the card playing games, you know, I, I that's just amazing. And giving them, giving fans the experience of when they come and see you at a convention, depending on the comic, you know, you do certain. You know, you you do certain things that, you know, it, it's gonna go. That's gonna give them a lifelong memory.
2: Yeah, that's you have no idea. I want you to be a little scared when you come up that <laughs> something might be doused with water or caught on
1: fire. Or that cat book you talk about is like the first time it comes to get your sign. You pull out this little box with a cat in there, and you go, "This is your cat now."
2: <laughs> yeah, I yeah, know. We I should partner with. Uh, Tenth um, Life. We have like a cat rescue place here, or whatever. I should partner with them. That'd be a good idea. Don't don't give me good ideas. Right. I'll, I'll carry those out.
1: <laughs> all right. So, um, so again, listeners. So, if you guys get a chance, please check out, um, you know, his books. Um, I want to thank Drew, the co of Comics for Fun and Profit. Drew, thank you very much for putting this episode together. Thank you for all your hard work behind the scenes. And if you are a new listener, please check out new episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit that comes out every Saturday. And I want to thank you, the listeners. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys. Aloha.
0: Hey, it's the good folks at Comics for Fun and Profit reminding you that nobody Patreons like we Patreon. So join us at C4FAP and go over to Patreon slash Profit. And sign up at a level of your choosing. There's various tiers with various goodies for you. Somebody, something that everyone gets at any level is you get to be a part of our Slack channel community. And you get early and ad free access to all our episodes. But wait, there's more. So go over to Patreon slash Comics Fun Profit and check out all we have to offer. We urge you, sign up today.